welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. As the days pass away and the time accumulate upon mankind, let us all continue to be sincere love to one another. Pray on it. And never neglect to make a conscious effort to spend quality time with our own mighty I Am Presence. Because our presence is our life stream. It is the spirit and power of the living God that dwells within each and every one. And no matter what comes in this world, or our individual worlds, our presence, from beginning to end, is the closest thing to us. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. Question, how did God create angels? Answer, God created all the angel spirits, immortal, holy, excelling in knowledge, mighty in power, to execute his commandments, and to praise his name, yet subject to change. Question, what is God's providence towards the angels? Answer, God by his providence permitted some of the angels, willfully and irrecoverably, to fall into sin and damnation, limiting and ordering that, and all their sins, to his own glory and established the rest in holiness and happiness, employing them all, at his pleasure, in the administrations of his power, mercy, and justice. Westminster Larger Catechism, 1647 When the Holy One, the Almighty, blessed be his name, would create the world, the twenty-two that are the letters of the alphabet came from his crown and held themselves before his eyes. Each supplicated to have itself made the beginning letter of the creative word. Many were the beginning letters of the various sacred names, But out of the twenty-two, the Most High chose to create the world through Beth, it is the beginning letter in the word Barak, which signifies to bless. On the first day the Most High created the heavens and the earth, the light and the darkness, the duration of the day and the duration of the night. From underneath his throne he took a stone and flung it upon chaos, that stone made the center of the earth, and all that was made was made around it. On the second day God created the angels. On the third day he created the plants, including the plants that are chief of them all, the cedars of Lebanon. But lest these cedars, tallest of trees, should exalt themselves unduly, he created on the same day the iron that would fell the trees, also he created paradise where the first man was to have his abode, and where the souls of the just were to dwell throughout eternity. On the fourth day he created the sun, moon, and stars. On the fifth day he created the fishes, including the fish that is chief of all of them, namely, Leviathan, and the birds, including the bird that is chief of all of them, namely, Ziz. On the sixth day he created the animals, including the animal that is chief of all of them, namely, Behemoth. On the sixth day he created man. But the Most Holy One took counsel with his angels before he created him. And some of the angels said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? He stretched forth his finger, and all the angels who said this were consumed with fire, all except their leaders, Michael and Gabriel. 
Then the Most Holy One commanded Gabriel to fetch dust from the four corners of the earth that man might be made from it. Gabriel went to do as he was commanded. But the earth refused to let the servant of the Lord gather dust from her surface. I'm destined to be cursed by man, the earth said, and to have my first fair state made unfair through him. If the Almighty One does not take from me the dust for the making of man, no one shall ever be let do it. When God heard the earth say this, he stretched forth his hand and he took dust from the four corners of the earth, and he fashioned man out of the dust. When he would join the body he had formed out of the dust with the soul he had made on the first day, the angelic host who knew the power that man was about to receive from God, murmured against his making. And the chief of those who murmured was that angel who was amongst the highest in the angelic host, whose wings were twelve where the other's wings were six, the angel whose name was Samael. Samael said, Thou didst create us from the splendor of the Shekinah, and now thou dost plan to set above us the creature whom thou hast fashioned out of the dust of the ground. Man would have perished through the fire which Samael would have put upon him if it had not been for the protecting hand that God held over him. The Almighty cast Samael and his host out of heaven, and from that time that angelic prince is known as Satan, and he is the adversary of man. God named the man whom he had created Adam, and he placed him in the paradise which he had created on the third day. Another had been created with Adam out of the dust of the earth. This was the woman, Lilith. Lilith lived with Adam in paradise. But she exalted herself over him, knowing that he and she had been made out of the same dust of the earth. And Lilith was able to pronounce the ineffable name, and pronouncing it she caused herself to vanish from the sight of Adam. Thereafter she made herself a demoness. Then Adam was cast into a deep sleep, a rib was taken from his side, and out of this rib God formed a woman to be Adam's wife, and this woman was Eve. Adam was given the east and the north of paradise with the guardianship of the male animals, and Eve was given the west and south with the guardianship of the female animals. A tree grew in the center of paradise, the man and the woman were forbidden to eat of the fruit of this tree. Samel, who was now Satan, the fallen angel, came riding upon the back of a serpent. The animals saw Samael and the serpent, and they were affrighted by the sight. And Samael, in Eve's hearing, chanted seraphic songs, and she, thinking they were songs in praise of God, listened to him. The serpent ascended the tree and injected the poison of evil inclination into the fruit. He bent the branch on which it grew down to the ground. And Eve, after Samael had spoken to her, took the fruit and ate of it. She summoned Adam and persuaded him to eat of the fruit also. Thereupon the cuirass which was bound across each of them, and which was made of the letters of the ineffable name, fell from them, and they had to cover their lower limbs with leaves which the trees had cast off when he ate of the forbidden fruit. Then the Most Holy One put Adam and Eve from paradise and appointed the cherubim who are called the ever-turning swords of flame to guard against their return to it. The earth felt the curse of the fall of man. Thenceforward she had to be watered by rain from above, her fruits were subject to failure, she had to bring forth creatures that were noxious to her, also she had to have herself formed into mountains and valleys, and to know that one day she will wax old like a garment. The angels in heaven grieved over the fall of man, the sun grieved also. Only the moon laughed on account of it, and for that God was wroth, and he obscured her radiance. Orpheus, Myths of the World, by Padraig Colum, 1930
Here we are with transit of science half accomplished, and all our ideas in process of readjustment to the theories of force correlation, natural selection, atomic polarity, and evolution. And here, to mock our conceit, our apprehensions, and our despair, we may read what Manu said, perhaps 10,000 years, before the birth of Christ. The first germ of life was developed by water and heat, Manu, Book 1, Sloka 8. Water ascends toward the sky in vapors, from the sun it descends in rain, from the rain are born the plants, and from the plants, animals, Book 3, Sloka 76. Each being acquires the qualities of the one which immediately precedes it, in such a manner that the farther a being gets away from the primal atom of its series, the more he is possessed of qualities and perfections, Book 1, Sloka 20. Man will traverse the universe, gradually ascending, and passing through the rocks, the plants, the worms, insects, fish, serpents, tortoises, wild animals, cattle, and higher animals. Such is the inferior degree. Ibid. These are the transformations declared, from the plant up to Brahma, which have to take place in his world. Ibid. The Greek, says Jacques is but the Sanskrit. Phidias and Praxiteles have studied in Asia the chef's derve of Danthea, Ramana, and Aryavasta. Plato disappears before Jmini and Veda Vyasa, whom he literally copies. Aristotle is thrown into the shade by the Porta Mimanza and the Autara Mimanza, in which one finds all the systems of philosophy which we are now occupied in re-editing, from the spiritualism of Socrates and his school, the skepticism of Pyrrho, Montaigne, and Kant, down to the positivism of Latre. Let those who doubt the exactness of the latter assertion read this phrase, extracted textually from the Autara Mimanza or Vedanta, of Vyasa, who lived at an epoch which the Brahmanical chronology fixes at 10,400 years before our era. We can only study phenomena, verify them, and hold them to be relatively true, but nothing in the universe, neither by perception nor by induction, nor by the senses, nor by reasoning, being able to demonstrate the existence of a supreme cause, which could, at a fixed point of time, have given birth to the universe, science has to discuss neither the possibility nor impossibility of this supreme cause. Thus, gradually but surely, will the whole of antiquity be vindicated. Truth will be carefully sifted from exaggeration, much that is now considered fiction may yet be proved fact, and the facts and laws of modern science found to belong to the limbo of exploded myths. H. P. Blavatsky When, centuries before our era, the Hindu Brahmahupto affirmed that the starry sphere was immovable, and that the daily rising and setting of stars confirms the motion of the earth upon its axis, and when Aristarchus of Samos, born 267 years BC, and the Pythagorean philosopher Nicet, the Syracusan, maintained the same, what was the credit given to their theories until the days of Copernicus and Galileo? And the system of these two princes of science, a system which has revolutionized the whole world, how long will it be allowed to remain as a complete and undisturbed whole? Have we not, at the present moment, in Germany, a learned savant, a Professor Schopfer, who in his public lectures at Berlin, tries to demonstrate, 1, that the earth is immovable, 2, the sun is but a little bigger than it seems, and 3, that Tycho Brahe was perfectly right and Galileo perfectly wrong. And what was Tycho Brahe's theory? Why, that the earth stands immovable in the center of the universe, and that around it, as around its center, the whole of the celestial vault gravitates every 24 hours, and finally, that the sun and moon, apart from this motion, proceed on curved lines peculiar to themselves, while Mercury, 
with the rest of the planets, describes an epicycloid. We certainly have no intention to lose time nor devote space to either combating or supporting this new theory, which suspiciously resembles the old ones of Aristotle and even the Venerable Bede. We will leave the learned army of modern academicians to wash their family linen among themselves, to use an expression of the great Napoleon. But we will, nevertheless, avail ourselves of such a good opportunity as this defection affords, to demand once more of science her diploma or patents of infallibility. Alas! Are these, then, the results of her boasted progress? It was hardly more than yesterday when, upon the strength of facts within our own observation, and corroborated by the testimony of a multitude of witnesses, we timidly ventured the assertion that tables, mediums, and Hindu fakirs were occasionally levitated. And when we added that, if such a phenomenon should happen but once in a century, without a visible mechanical cause, then that rising is a manifestation of a natural law of which our scientists are yet ignorant, we were called iconoclastic, and charged, in our turn, by the newspapers, with ignorance of the law of gravitation. Iconoclastic or not, we never thought of charging science with denying the rotation of the earth on its axis, or its revolution around the sun. Those two lamps, at least, in the beacon of the academy, we thought would be kept trimmed and burning to the end of time. But lo! Here comes a Berlin professor and crushes our last hopes that science should prove herself exact in some one particular. The cycle is truly at its lowest point, and a new era is begun. The earth stands still, and Joshua is vindicated. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 Your own blessed I Am Presence and higher mental body are concerned, my dear ones, with the purifying and perfecting of the planet, quite as much as with the activity of the outer self. May I say to you, the outer self is only a third of, may we say, the business of the presence. Therefore, in its cosmic service to the nation and the world, it works with these activities of the sacred fire and the cosmic light in ways you dream not of. And so, if by conscious call and remembrance of your presence and its work to the mass of mankind, you call to the secret love star and to us to intensify daily, the light rays or the sacred fire, an individualized flame of its presence, in and around you by conscious desire, so your mighty I am presence can take advantage of that and use it to more quickly assist the mass of the people, well, naturally, there would come to you very much greater blessing than you can possibly realize. In this work which the mighty Saint Germain has brought forth, there is always held about those under this radiation the individualized light rays and those activities of the sacred fire that have been brought to your attention, and which were explained to you in the beginning. If you will remember and hold the picture of those light rays in and around all under this radiation, and then the various activities of the sacred fire, it makes it infinitely easier, and you may have infinitely greater power to assist you, as you give this opportunity to your blessed I am presence, through your conscious desire and call to us. You cannot call for one blessing to life and not be blessed infinitely yourselves. Sometimes, perhaps, you seem weary, and so much discord of the outer world, may I say, is sometimes heaped upon you. But after all, if you will use it instead of letting it use you, it will be a stepping stone to your mastery. Then as you take that attitude to it, that you are going to use it, well then, it will no longer disturb you. It's all in the mental and feeling world that one has the ability to change a condition from discord into harmony. And the transmuting power, 
It doesn't make any difference who likes it or doesn't, the transmuting power of the universe is the use of this sacred fire and these great light rays. These great light rays play through the atmosphere of Earth like mighty searchlights, and there are many times when they cross, and where they meet, a tremendous outpouring takes place into the structure of Earth itself. Therefore, the I am student body are free to call these light rays from the secret love star in and around yourselves, into your homes, into your business, and have their blessing that is infinite. You can call the sacred fire from the secret love star to come in and around you and transmute your outer conditions into the victory of God for which you have called. You can call the individualized flames from the secret love star, and legions of the angelic host to send forth that sacred fire to conditions that affect the mass of the people, and those flames can take up their permanent location in the world, and begin their complete dissolving of that which is wrong. Beloved Messenger Number 1 So, your power, my dear ones, and your blessing in the use of these great light rays and the sacred fire, is far more than you understand. And because you are so few compared to the mass of mankind, your privilege is beyond any words to describe. Only when you use this and feel and have the blessings which it brings into your world, will you understand how great is the service of the angelic host, to the mankind of earth. Mankind do not dream of the continual blessings that come to them from the angelic host alone. Applause. Thank you precious ones. As your mighty Saint Germain told you so long ago, there is so much stress and energy given to the outer stress of things, the outer activities of the personal self that the presence doesn't care anything about, that if we can train you to discipline yourselves and concentrate your attention upon these activities with just the natural love of the outer self to the presence and to us in the use of these activities, well then, my dear ones, because the attention comes to the sacred fire and comes into the light, automatically it draws that light back to you. You cannot even think of your mighty I am presence or the sacred fire, or these light rays, even for an instant, without them coming back to you and blessing you infinitely more than you can possibly comprehend. One wave of love and recognition and gratitude to your mighty I am presence or to us, brings back a thousand rays in and around you in return for your love to us. Therefore, mankind are not without friends, therefore mankind are not without assistance. Therefore mankind are not at the mercy of destructive forces, if they will but return to the greater life of the universe, the attention of the outer self long enough, to receive the blessing of the love that sets them free. Applause. Thank you precious ones. Beloved Messenger Number 1